Hey, we're going to dig back into Hebrews uh, chapter 11, so you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles there. Also, one, just one little side note here. Um, the last two weekends, we've had like Garden City weddings, and uh, so like last Saturday and then yesterday. And um, it's like one of the, one of the things, like, I love getting the church together outside of Sunday, like I love Sunday, but it's really fun to get the church together outside of Sunday, because here's one thing I've observed about Garden City folks, is that we're good, we're good partiers. Right? When the music comes on, Garden City folks go onto the dance floor. And it's just like, it's just a fun, fun group, right? So like, we, like, we bow before the throne of God and we worship and we open up our hearts to receive from Him. But like, but then, and then, and then like, as He ministers to us, He, He ushers us into all the parts of life. Right? And one of the parts of life is celebration and joy and fun. And it's just, yeah, so if you've never danced with Garden City people, I hope you have the opportunity too. And uh, just as a, an aside, you guys know Tim Eames? He's on staff here. Tim's mostly downstairs with the kids. But um, if you ever get the chance to uh, have the Backstreet Boys playing Bye 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 and seeing Tim dance to that, just pray that the Lord gives you that opportunity at some point because it's worth the price of admission. Okay, Hebrews chapter 11, we continue... Um, Here's where I want to start, and this will make sense. Um, have you ever, a, a show of hands, how many of you have like climbed a mountain before? And when I say mountain, I don't mean like Mount Everest. Like I'm guessing nobody here has done that. I mean like a Rocky Mountain, an Appalachian, like a really high hill. Hands. Okay. Right. The, really, the thing about like mountain climbing or hill climbing that I love is this. That the higher you climb, the better the view gets. Right? Am, I, am I right on that? The higher you climb, the better the view. I had an opportunity as a, in my early 20s to go to Quito, Ecuador, and then explore the jungles down there, and really fun. But on our way out, um, I had the opportunity to climb a mountain. That, like, Quito is a city, it's the capital of Ecuador, and it's in a basin surrounded by the Andes Mountains. And so I had the opportunity to climb one of these mountains, and like as I would go up, it's like keto got smaller and smaller and smaller. Like, and the further up you go, the better the view. And at some point, like, you could see the city sprawled out and, like, you know, kind of, like, reaching into the valley in between the mountains. And then, like, the higher up you go, that I could see the airport and the planes coming in and the planes taking off. And they were below me significantly. It was, like, beautiful. But, like, the higher you go, the more you see. And then finally I got to the top of the mountain, like I had seen Quito, I could see like everything in this half of me, but the mountain behind me obstructed the view this way. It wasn't until I ascended the crest that I had the opportunity to see this side, and this side was crazy. The Andes Mountains just spread out, like just as far as I could see, and it was majestic, and it was beautiful, and I didn't have the time, but my heart just wanted to like keep going. When you're climbing a mountain or a hill or whatever, the higher you go, the better the view gets. Which is significant and interesting because oftentimes in the scriptures, when people meet with God, it is often on a mountain or a high hill, right? And I, what I'm not saying is we have to ascend high elevated places to get closer to God. That is not the point here. But I think it's interesting that like when we meet with God one of the simultaneous things that happen is our view of everything will also change. When we go meet with him, our view elevates. 
which is why I think God oftentimes meets with his people on mountains. Think about the Sermon on the Mount, where upon this elevated place, now people are starting to see an elevated view of what life in the kingdom of God is really like. And it's a beautiful elevated view. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John get an elevated view of who Jesus really is as Jesus radiates and shines in front of them. It's a different perspective to see Jesus from that higher elevated place. How about uh, the, the Temple Mount? Right? The worshipers of Israel would go up. They would ascend the hill to go worship God at the temple. Right, And then from that place of meeting with God, everything else would take on a different view. Like the place they work, elevated view. Their home, their neighborhood, the country itself. Right, You meet with God in the temple and you see all of life from a higher perspective. When we meet with him, we see things from a higher perspective. When Moses receives the law, he receives the law from the mountain of Sinai. And God, from that higher place, reveals to his people, here's what life with me is going to be like, and it is good. You're going to treat each other well. You're going to worship me. We're going to live in communion, God with people, and people with people, and people in creation, and it's going to be awesome, right? But this view of what God gives and gifts his people comes in a mountain setting because it is a higher perspective to see life and God and people through. When Jesus dies, he dies in this place called, called Golgotha. It's, it's an it's a ascended hill. They would call it a mountain. We wouldn't call it a mountain, but in Israel they called it a mountain because they didn't have many, right? But it was a higher elevated place. And on the Mount of Salvation, right, on Golgotha, wait, we get an elevated, higher perspective view on God's love for us that he would literally come here and lay his life down to wash our sin stain away and adopt us back into his family. It's an elevated view of God's love. And we need to have an elevated view of everything. And the only way to get that is to be with him. He is the one who brings us to the higher place that allows us to see everything in such a better way, in the right way. Now, with that in mind, Hebrews 11 chapter, sorry, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 20, I want us to dig in and talk about looking at life and all things through an elevated view of living life with God, particularly in trusting God in all things and the perspective that that gives us. It's a very different perspective, right? Let's dig in. Verse 20. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau, right? Two words I want us to focus in on. Word number one is future. By faith, Isaac invoked future. Word number two, blessings, right? And I want to look at each of these words separately. Let's dig into future, talking about perspective here, what we see, our vision of things. Let's talk about the future. Without God present in our lives, I think that we are prone to just live our lives in the immediate present now. When God is present with us and we're communing and abiding with him, what I think happens is we actually start to see time differently. We start to be able to see the future 
in a way that we otherwise couldn't see. Like when we ascend higher and higher on the mountain, our view of topography and geography changes. As we ascend in the presence of God and with him, our view of time itself begins to change and we see time from an elevated higher perspective. Right? But the truth is, like we, we live in a now culture. Our culture says, think about now, don't think about much else. What do you want now? What do you feel like you should have now? Get it now. That's the world we live in. But faith in Jesus expands our time horizon from now out into the future and into eternity itself. Right? That's like, that's a top of the mountain perspective regarding time. But it doesn't come without him being in very close relational proximity. Right? I want to take you to uh, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11, and just like illustrate this very practically for a second. This like longer time horizon that comes in the presence of God and from his perspective as we gain his perspective in his presence. Proverbs uh, chapter 13, verse 11 says this. Very practical, but I want this to illustrate. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle. Right? The the word hastily in the Hebrew, it means like vapor. Like, so think think about uh, January 15th, it's upcoming. You walk out of your house in the morning and you go, and think about the breath that comes out of your mouth and you see it for how long? Not long. That's a vapor. It's very quick, it's very short, start the stopwatch, stop, it's gone. It's a very short time horizon. That's the word hastily here. Wealth gained vaporously. And what it means is quickly. It's here, it's gone. Here, it's quickly. Wealth gained quickly or hastily will dwindle away. But whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Okay? So wealth gained hastily is is what we would refer to as a get-rich-quick mentality. And our culture is loaded with that, right? The latest stock tip that's going to make you millions now. The lottery ticket that's going to make you rich now, right? All these things are designed to make it easy and quick and now-ish. As close to now as we can get it, that's when we want it, right? That is our perspective regarding money and time. We want money now. And that everything we do is to try to get it now. But the scriptures say, hold on. When you have that kind of perspective, it's a very low perspective regarding money and time. What's going to happen is, is you're going to find money fleeing from you. It's going to leave you at an expeditious rate, right? It's gone. You're not going to have any. Okay? So what God does, and I literally, I don't have any for the record this morning, so maybe you shouldn't be listening. I'm kidding, right? So, but what the Lord invites us into is to say, now with me, and when you're with me, you get my wisdom, because it comes in proximity to him. It doesn't come in any other way. Now we can start thinking about money in a different time horizon, because I elevate you to see things through a different time lens. Out into eternity, it's a different perspective. Now, all right, What he says is, um, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. But but what is inherent in here is that whoever gathers little by little over time will increase it. Right? That's the invitation to start seeing money, not now, but over periods of time. That's how wealth actually and truly accumulates in God's world. Right? Right? 
I'm just going to tell a story here. Uh, I was hanging out with a guy, and that's all the information I'm going to give you, but I was hanging out with him, and he was, he was a, a gentleman who had accumulated some significant assets over, we'll say, 30 years of time. It seems as if he had done the faithful accumulation of little by little, little over decades of time. And as we were talking, because we had like a mutual interest, and in, so it led us into like a money conversation, and he said, he said, Brian, I, um, I just sold like, the majority of these assets that I've been accumulating over the last 30 years. And anytime you're talking to an investor and they sell whatever they're into, the next question is, well, like, what did, what did you do with that money? Because I knew what his money was in, and it's a solid asset over time. Brilliant. He said, well, I sold that. And he said, Brian, that's the right question. And then he started to talk about this new thing that he put all this money into. And as he talked, I started to get the sense that his wife was a little nervous about it. And the further he talked, I got the sense that he was a little nervous about it, although he was trying to reassure himself. And then after we were done talking, I didn't have a good feeling about this. Right? Proverbs 13, 11. I'm like, oh, no. So then I went onto the internet and I checked into because he told me what he had put his money into. Here's my best guess of what, what happened. He took, all of the, he took the majority of the money that he had grown slowly over time in a solid producing asset and put it into what appears to be a marketing scheme regarding a company that is vaporous. It's designed to take money out of your pocket and to put it into something that sounds really good. It's going to get you rich now! And I'm afraid it's gone. I can't tell you how many times I hear stories like that. Just specifically with, this is not a series on money. This is not a morning on money. This is a practical example. But how often I have heard stories of people who try to get rich now and it comes to ruin because it is a low time horizon to view money in. It's not God's time horizon and it typically does not go well. Similar to sex in our culture. What our culture desires is immediate gratification now. And I don't care how I get it. just want it now. But God's invitation is to say, no, no, join me. Let's go to an elevated place and let's see sex from a longer time horizon. I've got joy and satisfaction for you if you would but follow me in this way. And he invites us into a longer term, a longer time horizon perspective regarding sex in addition to money. Same thing with food. Right? Just getting practical for a, for a second. We live in an immediate gratification food culture where we want our food taste satisfactions to happen now, but we don't care about the consequences of what that does to our bodies tomorrow. Where God says, no, like I've made some really good and healthy and nutritious things, and if you would start joining me in a longer time horizon perspective regarding food, then you, like, you would actually be healthy, and you would actually start to like the food that you don't like now because your taste buds would accommodate. Like I've got a daughter, right, just talking about a time horizon here in food. She's got significant allergies, which makes her not able to eat most of the things that we eat. Right? She has to eat vegetables and fruit and meat, not a lot of, like, no additives, no chemicals, nothing, because her body immediately reacts to it. My perspective, and I say this to her regularly, that is a gift that God has given her because she's the healthiest one among us. 
and she likes the taste of broccoli. She likes cauliflower. She like her, her mouth has accommodated to the taste of foods that will serve her over time. And she's the healthiest in the Kunkler family, right? This, this truth, right? When we look at things from an immediate time horizon in any category that we're going to talk about, money, sex, food, you name any other category, things don't often go well. But when we allow the Lord to lead us into a higher view with him of time and it playing out into the future, then the door can open up to him actually being able to bless us over time in the ways that he wants to bless us. Um, as, as, a, as a cultivator of living things, I, I know this, and just trust me here, that if, if you take a radish seed and plant it, you're going to get a harvestable radish in 40 days. 40 days, it's over a month, but that's, that's, that's pretty quick in agricultural terms. If, on the other hand, you wanted to plant a pawpaw seed, anybody know what a pawpaw is? It's the Ohio State fruit. It's our potassium fruit. Most of you have never seen it. I don't know if anybody here has eaten it. Come to my house. I've got like 15 trees. I'll show you. Plant a pawpaw tree, and it will take you six years to see any fruit. I don't know many people that plant pawpaw seeds because we just can't wait that long. But truth be told, we don't even plant radishes. One, because they don't taste good. But two, because we don't want to wait 40 days. We would rather open the bar or the chips or whatever now than plant the seed and wait 40 days. That's our time horizon. And what God is saying is join me from an elevated view and let's start thinking about the future from a higher perspective. Okay, word number one that I wanted us to focus in on in verse 20, right? Future. By faith, Isaac invoked future. Here's word number two, blessings. Blessings. Without God, we are typically prone to thinking about me. You, without God, are prone to thinking about you. It's just the way it works, right? It's the law of spiritual things. With God, what we tend to do, what I tend to do, is to think about you. And with God, you tend to think about others. It's this beautiful thing that just seems to happen. When the Lord is moving powerfully in us, when we're abiding with him and communing with him, what happens is that we grow in our desire to esteem others above ourselves. So faith in him causes us to elevate, to get to a place where we see beyond me, where we can start seeing you, the other people around us. So, what God is inviting us into is, well, let me say this. He's inviting us to exit the prison of me, where I'm just thinking with my whole life about all of me. His invitation is Brian, and his invitation is to you. Join me in walking out of that prison. And, and join me in the freedom of living your lives in service and in blessing to others. Like, join me in that. And it's an adventure that he is on. God is the least self-centered being in all of existence. 
and he is like, like father is focused on son and spirit. The son is focused on father and spirit. The spirit of God is focused on father and son. They are selfless. And it's, and it's this joyous, rapturous, beautiful place. And that's who God is. And everything that God is doing on the world is in line with blessing others. And he says, exit the prison of you and join me on the adventure of loving others. That's blessing. Blessing is like other people focused, but it doesn't happen outside of being with, in proximity, in abiding, in relationship with him. So Isaac is blessing his sons regarding their future. It's a beautiful thing. Then verse 21, theme continues here. Ready? By faith, Jacob, new example, when dying blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. Okay, I love this. First thing here is that um, Jacob is worshiping God. He's worshiping God, right? The most cursed thing that I could say to you this morning is I could give a message on blessing others regarding their future. Go do it! Stop thinking about yourself. Start thinking about others. Don't be selfish. Don't be greedy. Give your life away. Do more of that. Stop thinking about you, right? If I, if I gave you that message this morning and sent you out with those instructions, it would be to you a bitter curse because it would be a law that you cannot fulfill. It would just crush you, right? But the invitation here is that, right, Jacob is blessing his grandkids here. But he doesn't start by blessing them. He starts with worship. He's worshiping God right, at an aged place in life. He's old. His end is near, just on the front side of death, right? And he's worshiping first. He's communing with God. What does that do? It elevates our perspective to help us what? To help us see the future and to help us be others-centered, Right? The ability to be other-centered and to think about their future is only something that can happen on the other side of active and ongoing worship. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. And if we try to think about others and their future, right, we will just condemn ourselves because we're going to be horrible at it. So we have to start this with worship. Right? By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. I love this. When he's dying, and I don't know if he's five seconds away or five minutes or five days, but he's like right on the edge of eternity itself. He's right there. When he is dying, he is blessing his grandsons. Here's the deal. His grandsons have a future here. Terra firma, right? His grandsons have a future here. He does not. He's going somewhere else. He's going to elevate to a whole new place. As he's ready to elevate to a whole new place, he's not thinking about himself in the elevation that's about to come and where he's going. He's thinking about others and their future. That's a different perspective, friends. 
Why is Jacob able to do this? Why is he able to think outside of himself and into others and to think about not just now, but to think about their future? The answer is because he has ascended the mountain of the Lord and he has started to see all things from that perspective and now he's simply living it out. And it is awesome that he is doing this. Now I want to speak to the older folks in the room. How many of you self-identify as older folks? I just want to see hands. Love it. Now, I'm talking to you guys. Now, if you didn't raise your hand, I want you to think about this. How many of you one day will be older folks? Raise your hand. Okay, so I'm talking to everybody right now. Is everybody listening? Yes, this is for everybody. But, but for either you are older now or you're going to be older someday, so we're talking to you, okay? When we are living by faith that is directed in a specific who, Jesus, when we are living in such a way that we are connected to Jesus and because of our relational connection, we just trust him with all things, then what happens is our life's mission continues to the very last moment of our lives. Doesn't stop. There's never a point where your mission ended five years ago or five days ago or two decades ago. Your mission always moves all the way up until the very last moment. But your mission doesn't just last until your last moment. Because remember, we got a higher time horizon here that we can see from your life mission, like you pouring yourself out for others over time. You do that to the very last breath that you have, and your mission actually continues here while you're there. That's exciting. But only for those who have ascended to higher places with the Lord who can actually see others and see the future. If you don't see others and see the future, then this is meaningless and we don't care about this. This is not appealing and this is not attractive. Right? Think about this. Megan's grandpa, um, Larry, sometimes affectionately referred to as Farmer Larry, tool and die maker for his life vocationally, had a 40-acre hobby farm that he tended to, just a beautiful man. Farmer Larry is in his mid-90s right now. We were having a conversation probably a month and a half ago. I like to cultivate things like pawpaws. I grow fruit trees because I think that fruit is uh, a stunningly good gift from God. That's just me. So I like to have as many fruit trees as possible because I want to receive the gifts of the Lord. So anyway, so Farmer Larry, Megan's grandpa, knows this about me. So we'll talk trees sometimes, right? He's been into corn and soybeans and hay and all those kind of things. But I, my interest in fruit and nuts has like sparked his interest. So we're having a conversation like six weeks ago at his farm. And uh, he's 93. Farmer Larry says to me, hey, Brian, if you ever want to plant any of those fruit trees that you have here on my farm, you can plant as many as you want. I I don't know if you're catching what Farmer Larry is really saying. From the perspective of time and the perspective of others, Wow! Because I don't know how much time Larry has on this earth and particularly on his farm. 
So any trees that I plant on his property would be for others into the future. It would be a future blessing for other people to enjoy. I want to go out like that. That's how I want to breathe my last breath from this elevated place of being with the Lord and seeing him and trusting him and having a higher time horizon that only he allows me to see. And in my dying breath, I want to be planting pawpaw seeds for people that will enjoy the fruit in six years. Right? And I want to be planting seeds of the good news of Jesus and propagating, right, his kingdom come and his will being done that I will not get to enjoy here, but it will be a future blessing for others. That is the glorious invitation that God has on our lives all the way up until the end. So if you are an older, self-identified older folk among us, Know that if you are here and if you are breathing, and I hope both of those are true, right? Then he has more for you regarding the future blessings of others until your last breath. And then you get the joy of knowing that all of your future blessing activities will long outlive you here while you get to go there. What a gift! What a gift it is that he gives in this mission to exit the prison of us, the prison of me now, and to follow him in the adventure of you into the future. What a good thing it is. And that is the life lived by faith. Verse 22. By faith, Joseph, example number three, At the end of his life, here we are again, another older guy. His end is very near. I don't know if it's five seconds, five days, or five weeks. But by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. The end of his life, he says, hey guys, you're going to be in Egypt for a while. You're not going to like it. But I just want to say, the Lord is going to take care of you. He will bring you out. To the very last moment, he's thinking about those others among him who will long outlive him centuries into the future when this will actually happen. Faith is not a young person's adventure. We think it is, but it's not Right? The young person is asking the question, what am I going to do with my life? And that's so, it's such an exciting time, isn't it? Who am I going to marry? Such an exciting phase where like, we need God to step into those questions. And we know that that is a time of faith in a person's life. Where am I going to live? Like, oh God, it's so, this is an adventure with you. I get to trust you with this. We think that faith is a young person's game. But clearly Hebrews 11 is saying, Yes, it is, but it is also an older, seasoned, wizened, mature, advanced in years adults game, just as much or more so than the young person. When you get advanced in your years, a lot of those questions get settled. 
You're not thinking about where am I going to live and who am I going to marry and what am I going to do for the rest of my life. Those, those questions are done. And some, that's a good place to get to, isn't it? Sometimes you just want to be over those questions. But now with those things settled, you finally get to the place from a settled and seasoned perspective. Now in this advanced place in years, you have an added layer of freedom to step into thinking about other people. You don't have to think about yourself quite as much. It's an extended time of freedom to just focus on other people and blessing them in the decades to come. That is the faith adventure that he's giving all of you older adults. And for all of you younger adults, you must remember this as you advance in age and get to that place where you're leaning over your staff in worship. And know that when you start handing out blessings and speaking life and doing good for others in their future, you're doing what he made you to do. And he's got your future. That's in his hands and you're good. But he also wants to think about others' futures that we're going to continue here. Band, come on back up. We're going to sing a couple of more songs. And I'm going to pray this over us as we... uh, as we worship. But be careful, because we're going to worship. And you know what worship does. It draws us into the very intimate presence of God. And you know what happens when we're in his intimate presence. He elevates us to a higher place. We start to see everything different. And as we are worshiping, and as he is lifting us into this intimate place with him, I just want us to be mindful and maybe open to the Lord giving us some specifics regarding others and their future, because that's what he does. And maybe for some of you, he'll, he'll, he'll pop a picture of somebody in your mind's eye, and you're just not going to see like a literal Polaroid picture of them in front of you, but you're like, they're just, I don't know. God's got ways of making his intentions known, but maybe he'll bring somebody or some people to mind. And they say, all right, Lord, I, I see it. I see Joe. I, see, I don't know what you're doing here. How would you like me to bless Joe? Because you know what you're doing in Joe's future. I don't. Is there anything that you would have me do now for the sake of Joe's future? And that maybe, let's see what he says. But first and foremost, don't start thinking about Joe. Let's, let's worship the Lord. Allow him to take us to that higher place. And then let's be open to thinking about others in a future blessing that he might just want to deposit in you so that you can exit the prison of you now and join him in the adventures of others over time. Can we do that? Father in heaven, uh, we do want to ascend to the higher places with you because that's where you are. But you also make your bed with us in the depths but you meet us in the depths in order to bring us up to the high, elevated places. So Father, as we worship you, I pray that you would clear the distractions of all of the things, the week, the week to come, that all of those would melt away because God, in your presence, when you radiate among us, Peter, James, and John weren't thinking about the pot roast in the oven. They were just thinking about Jesus. It was unmistakable. So Father, would you give us a vision and a glimpse of you and your presence and who you are among us for each of us now? 
And then, Father, as you bring us to the higher place, I pray that you would open our hearts to join you in the adventures of others and their futures in the decades to come. Father, would you deposit something into those of us that you would like to deposit and then give us the faith to actually carry it out and to be a blessing to other people. So we invite you to do that. We give you freedom in this space. Silence the voice of the enemy and may your spirit be the only influencer in the room as we continue to sing. We look forward to seeing what it is that you do as you make your presence known among us in Jesus' name.